Amen. All right, we're in Nehemiah chapter 2 this morning. We're in a series called 2020 Vision, and uh, we're in the middle of Nehemiah chapter 2. And uh, last week, Nehemiah uh, requested King Artaxerxes to uh, allow him to go back to Jerusalem and help rebuild the walls. He asked for a letter of safe travel. He asked for supplies from the king's forest. And uh, if you remember from chapter 2, verse 8, at the end there, it says, The king granted me what I asked, for the good hand of my God was upon me. And uh, we're going to pick up this morning in verse number 9. And uh, the title this morning is just Follow the Leader. And uh, I invite you to stand this morning. We're going to read verses 9 through 20. 9 through 20. Let me just mention a couple things. Uh, tonight, the married couples are going to kick off their... Uh, Next season, we're going to have a game show tonight, and uh, I know some of you like game shows, and so we invite you and your spouse to come out tonight, and uh, hopefully you won't get in any more trouble than I will, I'm sure. Uh, and then uh, Friday morning, we have a Valentine breakfast for our widows and widowers. Uh, if you know some of those, even if they're not in the church, that's okay. We'd love to minister to them. And then Saturday morning, we have a men's breakfast, and Brad's going to share some discipleship stuff with men, so we'd love for you to come. We've got to sign up sheets for all that stuff out there, uh, so do that if you will. Verse 9, though, Then I came to the governors of the province beyond the river and gave them the king's letters. Now the king had sent with me officers of the army and horsemen. But when Sambalot the Horonite and Tobiah the Ammonite servant heard this, it displeased them greatly that someone had come to seek the welfare of the people of Israel. So I went to Jerusalem and was there three days. Then I rose in the night, I and a few men with me, and I told no one what my God had put into my heart to do for Jerusalem. There was no animal with me but the one on which I rode. I went out by night by the valley gate to the dragon spring and to the dung gate, and I inspected the walls of Jerusalem that were broken down and its gates that had been destroyed by fire. Then I went on to the fountain gate and to the king's pool, but there was no room for the animal that was under me to pass. Then I went up in the night by the valley and inspected the wall, and I turned back and entered by the valley gate and so returned. And the officials did not know where I had gone or what I was doing. I had not yet told the Jews, the priests, the nobles, the officials, and the rest who were to do the work. Then I said to them, You see the trouble we are in, how Jerusalem lies in ruins with its gates burned? Come, let us build the wall of Jerusalem, that we may no longer suffer derision. And I told them of the hand of my God that had been upon me for good, and also of the words that the king had spoken to me. And they said, Let us rise up and build. So they strengthened their hands with good, for the good work. But when Sambalot the Horonite and Tobiah the Ammonite servant and Geshem the Arab heard of it, they jeered at us and despised us and said, What is this thing you, have, you are doing? Are you rebelling against the king? Then I replied to them, The God of heaven will make us prosper, and we, his servants will arise and build, but you have no portion or right or claim in Jerusalem. Father, we, we invite you this morning to speak to us. We pray for the Spirit to come, and, and we pray that we'd understand some things about what you're doing, and, and uh, Lord, there'll be opposition sometimes. We pray that we'd learn a little bit more this morning about how to deal with that and how to get about the work that you have before us, and we pray that in this time you'll be glorified and we'll be instructed, and we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So this book of Nehemiah is so very practical. I think we've already seen the power of prayer, the importance of patience and perseverance and planning. 
we've seen the fulfillment of, of uh, some scriptures. Uh, no math lessons scheduled for today, but we saw that last week. We've seen God's providence. We've seen how God is sovereign over the, the leaders of the world. And this morning we're going to look at how Nehemiah overcomes some of the obstacles. And so that's kind of the first point this morning. Consider the obstacles. And in reality, the first obstacle uh, was just getting permission from the king to return to Jerusalem and rebuild the walls. Uh, if you didn't remember or maybe you forgot, back in Ezra, when Ezra was there in Jerusalem, they began to, to do some stuff. And the enemies around them, they sent a letter to, to the king saying that the Jews were rebelling against the king. And so the king stopped the work. Well, King Artaxerxes, this is the, the same king, and, uh, and yet this time God moves in the heart of the king, and uh, again, we ended up last week, Nehemiah realized that the good hand of God was upon me, and, and so he got permission to go, and so that was really the first obstacle, and uh, there were not only obstacles going to Jerusalem, but there were even more obstacles when they got to Jerusalem, and we'll read about lots of those the next several weeks. Uh, but first of all, we see opposition. Uh, verse 9, uh, we see this, uh, they come to the governors, and of course he has these letters, and uh, there would have been opposition from these other leaders had not Nehemiah been wise enough to get these letters from the king to say, grant him safe passage. I, I mentioned at the end last week that uh, the king not only gave him permission, but he sent uh, officers of the army and horsemen, and so Nehemiah shows up with the cavalry, and uh, that helps them with the first obstacle. Then in verse 10, we see uh, this guy named Sanballat, the Hornite, and Tobiah, the Ammonite. We're going to read about them over and over. They're enemies of the people of Israel, and uh, they're displeased that someone is going to come to Jerusalem and try to help them rebuild these walls and, and seek the welfare of Israel. And uh, they didn't want to see these walls rebuilt. And uh, we're going to learn much about Nehemiah's leadership as he deals with opposition to rebuilding the walls. And uh, we'll see it throughout at the end of chapter 2, verse 19. But when Sanballat the Hornite and Tobiah the Ammonite servant and Geshem, here's another one. When they heard of it, they jeered at us, despised us, and said, What is this that you are doing? Are you rebelling against the king? And so they're already making threats to him and saying, Oh, if you're going to rebel against the king, we're going to make sure he knows it and, and makes fun of him. And, uh, and, of course, Nehemiah replied, The God of heaven will make us prosper. And we as servants will arise and build. Uh, you guys have no portion of us. You don't get to claim any of this because by the hand of God, we're going to rebuild these walls. And so not only was there much opposition, but, but consider the obstructions. Listen, rebuilding the walls in Jerusalem was a monumental task. Uh, if it had been easy, they'd already rebuilt them. But we got these large stones. They've been knocked down. They've probably rode down the hill. Uh, they're heavy. Uh, they've got to go down there and, and uh, try to get the stones. Scholars kind of differ over the, the, the size, the circumference around Jerusalem at this time. Some say it was a mile and a half. Others say it was two and a half miles uh, regardless. There's lots of destruction, and there's these big stones. This is not, I don't want you to get the, the picture of building a, uh, a rock fence. 
this is a, a wall around the city. These are big stones, and uh, so they've got to go down there, uncover the stones. They've got to figure out how to haul the stones back up the hill. They've got to, the labor, the lifting, the, the hauling. There's got to be some skill there to, uh, to put these stones in place. And, uh, and so this task could have seemed uh, a little overwhelming, um, if they and they tried it before and they'd been unsuccessful and uh, again the last time the king stopped their work and so all these things are against them and uh, the people are discouraged and uh, they probably had every excuse now, I, I hear plenty of excuses in the church but think about the excuses they might have had they they probably said listen we've tried this and tried this we've not been able to rebuild them it's been in vain the enemies come the enemies tear it down they they threaten us there's just no use for us to try this again and, uh, and so, uh, you ever been overwhelmed by an obstacle and just given up and, and said, forget it? Anybody? Yeah. yeah. You all remember Mike Singletary, the linebacker for the Chicago Bears? He, he was known for making tackles all over the field, and he just seemed to have a, a knack for knowing where the, where the ball was and, and going there and making the play. One time, uh, after a game, a CBS reporter asked him, he said, how do you get clobbered by a couple of linemen on one side of the field, then a few seconds later you make a tackle on the other side? They said, how do you do that? And his answer was rather profound. His answer was, I get up. That's pretty profound. They tackle him, I get up, and I go tackle them. And uh, the, the Lord might be calling some of you to, to just get up. And may, maybe you've fallen in some way, and, and maybe you've wallowed in, in past failures, and, and maybe today you need to hear, just get up. Forget the past. Paul said, forget the past. You look forward. You press on. You keep your eyes on Jesus. And so uh, Nehemiah doesn't just consider the obstacles. Uh, secondly, we see that he's able to conceptualize the goal. Now, we've already said his main goal was to go back there and to rebuild these walls. And by rebuilding the walls, he would kind of give them some security and some pride, and it would provide some defense for the city. But there's so many obstacles. How do you go about accomplishing your goal? Well, the first thing that Nehemiah does is he gathers the information. Notice verse 11. Uh, I went to Jerusalem and was there for three days. Uh, what, did he do to know, what did he do during those three days? We, we don't know. He, maybe he rested. Maybe he prayed. Maybe he uh, was thinking about the best way to go about this. Uh, but then in verse 12, I rose in the night, I and a few men with me. I told no one what my, what my God had put into my heart to do for Jerusalem. Uh, there was no animal with me. And so uh, he, he began to uh, go out and, and survey the the area and find out the condition of the walls and and so we find his uh, method here in verse 13 he went out by night by the valley gate to the dragon spring to the dung gate and inspected the walls that were broken down its gates and then he went to the fountain gate to the king's pool and these are just places around jerusalem uh, some places there in verse 14 the animal couldn't even pass uh, I, I guess it was in such bad shape and uh, verse 15, I went up by night by the valley, inspected the wall. And so what, what Nehemiah does, we, we might have a picture of, of Jerusalem, but he, he just kind of goes and surveys the wall and, and tries to look and see how much work's going to be needed. And um, some of it's in pretty bad shape. And so after he gathered the necessary information, it was time for Nehemiah to, to get a plan. And uh, you might be thinking, uh, man, was he able to get all the information in one night? And probably not. 
but, but he got enough information to formulate a plan. He, he got an idea of the condition of the walls. And, uh, you, you know, sometimes we think we've got to have every bit of information. And sometimes we spend so much time getting every bit of information that we never get on with the plan. You know what I mean? And so uh, what is Nehemiah's plan? Well, we don't really get to it in chapter 2. It's, it's really chapter 3. And uh, we're going to look at that uh, but just as we think about gathering information, we, we, we got this board up here, and we got people's names, and these are some of your who's your one. Some of you took your little people, and you didn't bring them back. So if you got your little people at home, put your name, put, their, put your one on it and bring it back. But uh, if you want to survey the, the condition sometimes, just, just come by here, and these will be out there in the hallway. But just look at the names, and, and if you got some time sometime, just come by and spend some time praying for people that are lost. Uh, that, that's gathering the information and, and praying for people, and we want you to see the lostness around us, and we want you to be praying for that. And, and so Nehemiah has gathered the, the information. He's formulated a plan, and now it's time to challenge the participants. And that's a challenge sometimes, isn't it? Uh, a good plan doesn't do you much good if you can't get the people to buy into the plan, and that's Nehemiah's next challenge. Uh, Arnold Tomby. English historian, he said, apathy can only be overcome by enthusiasm, and enthusiasm can only be aroused by two things. First, an ideal which takes the imagination by storm, and second, a definite, intelligible plan for carrying the ideal into practice. And so, Nehemiah is aware of the discouragement of the people, and uh, he's formulated a plan, and now he is ready to coordinate the effort. So notice verse 17, I said to them, you see the trouble we're in, how Jerusalem lies in ruins, its gates are burned down, come, let us build the wall of Jerusalem that we may no longer suffer derision. I noticed a couple uh, interesting things here. Uh, then he said to, to them, and we say, well, who's the them? Well, back in verse 16, the, the priests, the nobles, the officials, the rest, uh, all of them. It, it, it seems like Nehemiah addresses them all. He must have had a, a town meeting, and uh, he got them all together, and he says, listen, here's the plan, and uh, I'm going to coordinate the effort, and we're all going to be involved, and we're going to rebuild this wall. And uh, listen, there's some advantages sometimes of, of telling everybody at once. You, you don't have to worry about miscommunications. You, you don't have to worry about the plan being distorted by those who have negative feelings about the plan. And, and uh, there are always some of those around. But he got everybody together, and he says, listen, we got a plan. We're going to rebuild this thing. And the second important thing that I notice, that Nehemiah, Nehemiah identifies himself with the people. Notice that in verse 17. Uh, you see the trouble we're in. He didn't say the trouble you're in. He said, come, let us build uh, that we may no longer suffer derision or disgrace. And I believe that's kind of the key to his plan. He didn't say, you all got a, a task to do, and I'm going to get you to do it. He says, it's, it's our task. We're in this trouble together, and we're going to rebuild this thing together. And I, I think that that inspired the confidence of the people. Uh, I also noticed that Nehemiah's challenge of the people appealed to their, a little bit to their patriotism. Uh, he says, listen, we've suffered derision long enough. It's time for us to get this wall up and get some security and, uh, around uh, Jerusalem. And I got to thinking about, you know, the Christian calling, which is a, a much higher calling than, than any type of earthly building. But listen, church, we're invited to participate in the kingdom of God. 
the, the rescuing of souls that are perishing apart from Christ, the, the making Christ known and, and shining a light of, in a world of darkness, of, of being salt and light in our community, of we're invited to, to minister to the poor and needy, to, to the orphans and the widows, and uh, to live a life worthy of the gospel. God invites us to be participants in His kingdom. As a church, we, we have a go of, of uh, seeing 52 people saved and baptized this year. And so we have invited you to kind of survey your realm of influence. And, and we've asked every one of you to identify one person that you'll pray for this year. And, and uh, so we have these cards, and we, we might have about 150 here, and, and we have a lot more than 150 people that show up on Sunday mornings. And so I just want to encourage some of you, if you haven't identified someone that you're praying for, you still got time. we got cards, and we want you to participate in that because people are lost, and God wants us to be a part of His kingdom in bringing them to the faith. And so identify someone and pray for them and ask the Lord for opportunities to share the gospel with them. And, and we want to give you some visuals uh, so that you can have an idea of what we're shooting for. And, and we want you to pray for one. And, and then we have these cards. And uh, we've we got 52 of them. And we want everybody to have a card. I, I got number one. And so I'm praying for Janice all year because uh, she was the first one baptized. And, and some of you have number three, and you'll be praying for Brandon. And I got number 48. Listen, if you don't have a card, listen, get one and pray for that one. Uh, whatever number it is, we've we got extra cards, and they're out there in the corner. But we want you to have a row in seeing God accomplish His purposes with us. And uh, if we're going to reach this go, it ain't going to be because the preacher did it. I I can't. I wish I could. It's going to take all of us praying and sharing, praying and fasting, praying and going. And and in long term, I mean, we got to survey our community and we got to determine how we can make contact with people in in our community. And listen, uh, the last survey I saw, three mile radius of the church, twenty six thousand people. And, and you all know that number is increasing rapidly. And so that's a lot of people. And we've got to find a way to tell those people that Jesus loves them. Listen, they need to know that, don't they? And they need to know that God planted a church right here in the middle of Burlington, and we love them. And so uh, we want them to hear the gospel. We want them to know that we have a God who created us and, and desires a relationship with us and that we have turned and did it our way, and we're sinners, and our sin separates us from God. And we want them to know about John three sixteen that God so loved us that he sent his son. And we want to tell them about the cross, that Jesus came and lived a sinless life. And he went to the cross and took my sin and your sin and, and paid for my sins. He died, and on the third day he arose again. We, we want people to know that. And that if they'll turn from their sins and believe upon the Lord Jesus, uh, like Jay did, that they can be saved. We, we want them to know that. And so let's pray that God would give us a vision for reaching our community. I, I thought about this morning. It wouldn't be a good morning for it, but I, I thought, you know what, instead of gathering, we ought to just come and pray and then go out and survey the land and see how many people are not in church this morning, how many neighbors are at home. And, and uh, we don't have to be mad at them. Uh, we can pray for them and invite them. And I know it would have been a little cold to do that this morning, but, but it, it might have been what we need to do sometimes is realize that there's a lot of people not connected with the Lord Jesus and, and have a heart for them. And so may God give us that kind of vision. And, and personally, Nehemiah's leadership challenges me and, and hopefully some other leaders to, to do a better job of coordinating that effort here at Burlington Baptist. Listen, we're, we're in this battle together, and we know we're on the winning side. 
Don't we? The hand of God's been favorable upon us, and we need to roll up our sleeves and go to work. And so Nehemiah said, come and let's build this together. Listen, there's no obstacles that, that uh, we can't overcome through the power of God. So Nehemiah was ready to coordinate the effort and then communicate the responsibilities. And before we look at the various responsibilities, uh, Nehemiah wants them to know God's hands in all this. Notice verse 18, I told them of the hand of my God that had been upon me for good and also of the words that the king had spoken to me. Apparently the king not only gave him permission, but he encouraged him in this work. And so Nehemiah shares that with the people and uh, and, and they said, let us rise up and build. So they've strengthened their hands for the good work. Now, chapter 3, most commentaries just kind of skip over that. Uh, it's kind of some details about the walls and the gates and who's going to do what. I, I think it's a, kind of an important part of Nehemiah. Uh, Howard Voss writes this, What appears here at first blush to be a list of forgotten names and boring details of wall construction on closer examination becomes something quite dramatic and exciting. It may be observed first that what occurred was the result of an incredible feat of organization. The entire community was mobilized and was led to work harmoniously and simultaneously on all parts of the city wall, which was divided into 40 or 41 sections. Second, the entire workforce demonstrated an unquenchable dedication and an ardent enthusiasm as they strained fervently to complete the task. The enemies of the Jews were completely caught off guard by the speed and drive of Nehemiah and his compatriots. Before they could effectively organize to stop the Jews or destroy their work, the walls and gates were restored. The passage shows us the involvement of the whole Jewish community as it demonstrated by the mention of representatives of crafts and trades and towns and various social classes. And so what we're going to see here is that uh, Nehemiah shows us the importance of planning and coming up with an intelligible plan. Nehemiah seemed to really excel in this area. And, and even though he's dealing with a discouraged people, he's able to, to get them organized and, and divide the work up into to manageable sections. And uh, listen, if they tried to tackle that whole wall at one time, they would have said, oh my goodness, it's so much. And they, they would have been overwhelmed. Uh, I mean, to rebuild a two-mile wall that's been destroyed, is nobody can do that alone. Uh, but if the wall is, is taken and if it's divided up into 40 sections, it, it becomes much more manageable. Listen, if we take 52 people to see one to the Lord and we all pray for our one, uh, it's manageable, church. We, we could do that. And so he divided the, the project into sections, and then he communicated the assignments and uh, Nehemiah wanted everyone to get involved. And that's the desire of every preacher, is just to get everybody involved in the work. And so, chapter 3, we, we won't read it all, but let me just some of the let me just run through it a little bit. Uh, verse 1, Elisaba, the high priest, rose up with his brothers, the priests, and they built the sheep gate. Uh, and so we begin to see people working. Verse 17, just, I'm just going to pick out some. After him, the Levites repaired. Uh, next to him... Just we just we keep reading that. Notice verse twenty-two. Uh, after him, the priests, the men of the surrounding area, they repaired. When it says repaired, they they repaired their section of the wall. Verse five. These there's uh, Tikoites. They they repaired. And verse seven. There's men of Gibeon and Mizpah, and several of the the neighboring lands. 
verse 8, it talks about there were goldsmiths and perfume makers. And so even the skilled labor, they could have said, well, listen, that's not my specialty, building walls. I'm a goldsmith or I make, no, it it was all their jobs because they came together. Verse 9, Repe, ruler of half the district of Jerusalem. And so several of the city officials are listed here. Another city official in verse 12 uh, he is listed, he and his daughters. And so even the women got involved. And if you read through chapter 3, Nehemiah brings together the rulers, the common people, the, the gatekeepers, the guards, the farmers, the goatsmiths, the priests, the men, the women, you name it. He brings them together. He assigns them a section. And guess what? They, they get to work. And I just think it's noteworthy. It's a, a remarkable achievement. This cooperation here is, is remarkable. And again, I just want to say, there's no way as a church that we'll see 52 people saved and baptized unless you decide to take responsibility for your one. And God steers your heart towards them, and you pray fervently for them, and you share with them. Listen, we don't save them. We know that. God God does. And He can. He's mighty to save. We we sang that. Do we, do we believe that, that He wants to save? He's mighty to save? Now, let me read verse 5 here. This, uh, this one section in verse 5, it says, Next to them the Tequites repaired, but their nobles would not stoop to serve the Lord. Always some turkeys in the bunch, isn't it? Huh? Always some. I ain't going to do it. And uh, even in the church, there's always going to be some. They, they, you can't challenge them. They won't receive the vision of the church. And listen, I've just learned not to heck with you. I ain't going to spend all my energy if you ain't going to do nothing. But there are some who say, I'll roll up my sleeve, and I'll pray, and I'll go, and I'll, 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 they'll catch the vision. And so even with the disgruntled leaders there of the Tickleites, apparently they worked anyway because we read about them in verse 5. And the interesting thing in verse 27, I just happened to notice this. After him, the Tickleites repaired another section. So catch verse 5. They, this group is working on this section. Some of them, they ain't going to stoop and do anything. But this group says, we're going to do it anyway. And they get their section done, and then they go to another section. And I say, hallelujah. Don't worry about whoever those turkeys are. And uh, that's the nicest thing I could call them, I guess, turkeys. But, uh, but they did. They went and worked. and So you read through chapter 3, and you just see... It, they made these assignments, and I think Nehemiah just kind of allowed them to, to figure out how to get their wall done, and that's, that's delegation. And uh, I, th- there's this phrase that keeps repeating itself in, in chapter 3, the adjoining section, the next section. And uh, Nehemiah made sure every section was covered, and he arranged the, the, the section so that it was convenient to the people uh, so that they could work on the section that was right in front of them. And so, uh, verse 1, the, the priests, they're, they're going to rebuild the sheep gate because it's adjacent to the temple. And then notice the end of chapter 3, verse uh, 28, the priest repaired each one opposite his own house. I guess if he's going to repair the wall and it was beside your house, you'd want to do a good job, wouldn't you? And so, Nehemiah was smart, verse 30, opposite his own house, verse 29, opposite his own house, his own chamber. And so that's wise. He, you know, they wouldn't lose work, lose time traveling to work. They wouldn't have to go home a long journey for, for lunch. I don't, I don't know if they had lunch back then. But uh, anyway, it, you would want that wall to be good in your area. And, uh, and, I, and I, let's think about that in regards to some of our goals. I, I mean, 
if you've picked a one, I, I hope you want to see them get saved. Uh, I hope you want to say, God, I want to see you do something in my one. I hope God gives you such a passion for them that you, you want to see that. I, I got another one here this morning. I want to see God save them. Amen. So he challenged the, particip- the participants. And the last thing, he celebrates the successes. Nehemiah's already told them how God had blessed uh, his efforts with the approval and the letters and the supplies. And uh, chapter 3 is really just a chapter about the accomplishments of, of each worker. And it's, it's probably only a sample. Uh, but I, I suspect that Nehemiah probably made his rounds during those days. And he encouraged and, and praised the workers and, and was excited. And, and uh, he gives credit to all the workers. We don't see Nehemiah mentioned him himself in this chapter. It's not about him. And and listen, if we turn over a few chapters, they're going to get this wall done, and, and uh, Nehemiah is going to give all the, the glory to God. Chapter 6, verse 16, uh, and when all our enemies heard of it, all the nations around us were afraid and fell greatly in their own esteem, for they perceived that this work had been accomplished with the help of our God. Nehemiah knew that He's just an instrument, and that God was accomplishing His purposes. And, and sometimes, church, we get so caught up in the work that uh, we get busy that trying to overcome all the obstacles that we forget to stop and, and just celebrate our successes. And, uh, man, we do that in the church sometimes. And uh, I mean, we get focused on the naysayers, and, and, uh, and we don't notice the good hand of God. And so, man, I praise God for Jay this morning and, and Janice and Tony last week and, and Brady. Just praise the Lord for the good hand of God. Amen. So I titled this Follow the Leader because we noticed the incredible job that Nehemiah does in kind of marshalling the entire population of Judah to, to this enterprise of rebuilding the wall. And uh, they come together. They accomplish something that hadn't been accomplished in 90 years. And it's worth noting, you, you all can find out how many days it took uh, in a few weeks, unless you want to read chapter 6, it might be 52, uh, but anyway, uh, it's worth noting that God had the same desire for His church, and I, I believe that He desires everyone to be involved in the work, and listen, Nehemiah couldn't have done it by himself, he couldn't have done it with a few Uh, The work of the church is best accomplished by the joyful participation of every member. Uh, Listen to what Paul writes in Ephesians 4. It's kind of the pattern, 4.11. And he, he's talking about Jesus, gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. What did he give them for? To prepare God's people for works of service. He gave to the church certain leaders to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. And so, in in other words, every member has a ministry. And when we do that, it's good for the whole. As ministers, we're to prepare God's people. We're to prepare you for the work of ministry. I heard a description of a football team one time as, as uh, you all might have heard this, 22 men who desperately need rest watched by millions of people who desperately need exercise. That's not supposed to be the case for the church. 
God enables us to fulfill His particular uh, purposes. And listen, if we don't join in, we're the losers. God, God's going to accomplish His purposes. But He invites us to go along for the ride and be participants in that. And He's going to complete His work until the day that Jesus Christ comes back. And if we delight in the Lord, uh, we get the joy of sharing in the task. And He uses us to accomplish His purposes. And so I just, as we close this morning, I want to ask you, are, are you doing your part? Are you doing your part? And who needs to get up off the bench today and get back in the game Listen, for the sake of Christ, let's strive for excellence and let's complete His goals for His glory. Amen. Let's pray this morning. Father, thank You for Your good hand upon Nehemiah. And I just love this book. I, I love to see how You put this task before Nehemiah and how You took him there and uh, You showed him favor, how he was able to rally the people together and they accomplished this feat and and there were enemies and all kinds of obstacles and and yet they came together and worked together and I just know that's what you desire in your family the church for us to to be equipped for us to come alongside each other to use the gifts that you've given us and uh, that's a beautiful picture Lord thank you for it I pray for those here this morning some of them have been on the bench for a long time I pray this morning might be the day where you call their number and they realize it's time for them to get involved, whether it's praying for someone who's lost or, or doing a ministry here at the church or being equipped or, or taking a step in their spiritual life. Uh, Lord, I, I pray you'll call some numbers this morning. And Lord, if there's someone here that's not saved, I, I pray today that they would know how much you love them. And they would know that if they'll turn from their sins and believe upon Jesus, that you'll forgive all their sins and save them, bring them into your family. Save someone this morning, we pray, Lord. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Stand with me this morning, if you would. And listen, this is your time to respond to, to God's Word. If you're, if you're not saved, I'd love to talk to you. Brad, I'd love to talk to you this morning. If, if you want to observe the Lord's Supper, you can. If, maybe you're here this morning and you say, Listen, I've spent a lot of time grumbling and complaining, not serving. And, and uh, this Word was for me this morning and I want to get involved in some way. I'd love to talk to you about that, pray with you, or listen, you come and pray. God will show you what He wants for you, and uh, if we can help, we'd love to as well. So you respond this morning.